Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their world. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. The Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Today on the show, critical thinking skills with Ron Price. Ron, always good to be with you. It's great to be with you, Dale. I always look forward to our conversations. Absolutely. So uh, just a, a quick recap for folks. We've been talking for the past six episodes about thinking skills related to leadership, and you have really taken us down some um, deep into some deep conversations, long roads that uh, we've talked about consciousness and conscience and character and how all of that um, relates to thinking and, and us as leaders. So I would encourage our listeners to go to your favorite podcast listening app, go to the completeleader.org, watch the videos and, um, and, and watch these. And if you're like me, you're going to have to go back and listen to them several times because it's just like watching your favorite movie. You're going to learn something new each and every time. So Ron, tell us about today. What do you have in store? One more session about thinking. (laughs) And I've really enjoyed this, Dale, because I think that we, first of all, I don't know that we appreciate what we've been given in the capacity to think consciously and to think deeply. Secondly, I'm quite sure that we never understand what a profound responsibility it is as a leader, how we think. Uh, You you think about whether it's the Olympics or it's a golf tournament or something, you you know that what separates the winners from second and third place is usually very, very minuscule. And I believe that in organizations, what really makes the biggest difference for those organizations, not the only, but the biggest difference is how leaders think. The decisions that we make, how we interpret what's happening around us, how we communicate that, all of this has a profound impact. And we just kind of assume that it just happens. And it does to some extent, but to be at the top, to really be a great leader, We have to uh, commit ourselves to developing uh, greater and greater understanding and a greater and greater practice of thinking skills. So to finish this series today, I want to talk about something that's very popular, but I'm suspicious very little understood. And it's this critical thinking. Popular, it's we always hear, I just want somebody who's a good critical thinker. I mean, I can't. I've lost track of the number of times I've heard somebody say, we can only just find better critical thinkers. So is, is that why you say it's a little misunderstood? Because put your finger on it. What does that mean? Yeah, well, part of, part of our message through all these conversations has been we can't, as, as great leaders, we can't just take things at face value. We need to go deeper and think about what we're talking about. So I ask people what critical thinking skills are, and I usually get, and these are intelligent people, so it's not that they're lacking the capability, but the answers I usually get from them are, well, critical thinking skills are somebody who's going to make good decisions. They're going to exercise good judgment. Um, They're not going to let their emotions get control of them, things like that. Interesting, I bring up emotion because the two things that you see in study after study after study that employers are looking for today in their leaders our critical thinking skills, and emotional intelligence. And of course, we've talked about emotional intelligence in previous episodes already. And in some ways, everything that we've talked about in the last six episodes is some aspect of critical thinking skills. 
but we're going to take a, a, a more of an academic approach to it today and then tie it all together. So as you're talking to leaders, I'm just curious, and you push for, so what do you mean from by critical thinking? What what do you usually hear? What? Well, I, I do hear, I, I hear better decisions, good judgment. So then I say, well, how do you think that happens? What, what are they doing in order to make better decisions? And by asking the how or the why, we can get into a deeper conversation. And the more that that conversation brings detail to us, the more we have the opportunity, I'm going to go dip into a previous episode, the more we have the opportunity to define what good critical thinking skills are. The more properties we can define of critical thinking skills, the closer we get to understanding how to develop those in ourselves and how to help develop them in other people as well. So how do you define critical thinking? Well, I'm going to take a definition that comes from something called the National Council for Excellence in Critical Thinking. And that goes back to 1987 when they first wrote this definition. So they said, Critical thinking is the intellectually disciplined process of actively and skillfully conceptualizing, applying, analyzing, synthesizing, and or evaluating information gathered from or generated by observation, experience, reflection, reasoning, or communication as a guide to belief and action. So I guess that's when it's a long sentence like that, that's, that's why I call it academic. But you, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get underneath the kind of shallow definition that we have of critical thinking. They're trying to identify all the components of it. And then what are we trying to get from it? They go on to say that um, it's really about exercising good judgment based on a good understanding of the facts combined with past experience and good reasoning. And, and they bring back and say it's really based on universal intellectual values that, that transcend all professions, all industries, all specialties. And these values that they identify are clarity, accuracy, precision, consistency, relevance, sound evidence, good reasons, depth, breadth, and fairness. So they're, they're taking us on this journey of a deeper understanding of what we mean when we talk about critical thinking. I'm hearing parallels to the axiology discussion that we've, we had recently. Yeah. And logic, emotion, um, clarity, bias, all of those things. <laughs> and when you read through that uh definition from the National Council for Excellence in Critical Thinking, I thought, word gumbo. <laughs> that <laughs> There are a lot of ingredients in this. When you're, you know, when you look at the ingredient list, it sounds a bit confusing, but when you taste the gumbo, it, it's, it's good. So we're going to, we're going to break it down and, and uh, get to the true um, meat of this conversation. So it, it's complex, but talk about that tie to axiology. Yeah, well, it, it, it's really, if you think about a lot of what we've talked about with axiology, where we first define good, then we recognize that there are three different ways of defining good. It can be defined in an absolute sort of sense, in a comparative sense, or where we're looking for uniqueness. And we all of these things that we talked about around axiology, you can see them being practiced in the evaluation process in this definition from the National Council. So they identify five different ways 
that they think we um, evaluate what's going on as a guide to belief and action. They say, first, observation. So observation is we take the time to slow down and to, to develop better listening or better observation skills. So we can say listening with our ears, but we can say listening with our eyes or listening with our heart as well. This is all a part of observation. And they're saying the, the more accurate, the more disciplined your observation skills are, the more you will develop clarity for critical thinking. Then next they say experience. So experience is part of the equation. And it's an interesting part of the equation based on some of what we've discussed of brain science, because our brain is constantly making predictions, actually 150,000 smaller brains inside our brain making these predictions. And those predictions are being made in part based on what our past experience has been. So they're not denying the role of past experience, but they're saying by itself, it's not enough to arrive at good critical thinking skills. Next, they say reflection. Reflection is about questioning what we're thinking. It's about bringing the, the immediate instinct that we have, or we would say what our subconscious mind is informing us about, and bringing it into the conscious realm to take time to deconstruct it, to understand why we're thinking what we're thinking. Where's our evidence? What's the basis or the data on which we're thinking the way we are? And that leads us to the fourth component they talk about, which is reasoning. So reasoning is applying logic instead of emotion to a situation or circumstance. So what data is there? What are the logical? What kind of models can I draw from that might help me to reason through this? What other kind of experiences? And finally, their fifth component is communication. Who else can I talk with who has done these first four things? Who else can I collaborate with who's done observation, experience, reflection, reasoning? You know, when they say coming out of school, we want students to have critical thinking skills. Well, those critical thinking skills are not just something that you learn in a classroom. They're something that you practice. And so observation, experience, reflection, reasoning, and communication are what a good education should be giving to us. Unfortunately, when you end up in classes or in an education system, that is telling you there's a right way to think and we're gonna teach you what the right way to think is, you're actually dwarfing an individual's critical thinking skills. This is why traditionally a liberal arts education was held in such high esteem because traditionally what we thought is by sending our children to college, they were learning how to think, or you could say they were learning to develop critical thinking skills. But unfortunately, today, we, things have become so polarized that most education tends to take a bias one direction or the other. And the educational environments where you really get this kind of open observation, experience, reflection, reasoning, and communication, those just don't exist the way that they did 20 or 30 years ago. And I think this is one of the reasons why employers are disappointed when they get workers who are highly educated, but don't seem to have good judgment. So we have the evaluation process of observation, experience, reflection, reasoning, communication, and that leads into the intellectual values, the desired outcomes. Yeah. And so when you take a closer look at those, Dale, I think what they're trying to tell us is they, they're trying to tell us that this is what we're aiming for. These are the outcomes of the different methods of evaluation that lead to great critical thinking. So the first one that they list, which is maybe the most important, is clarity. 
that I see the thing for what it actually is, that I'm not distorting it based on something inside of me that is interpreting reality in an incorrect way. And then that leads to accuracy and precision. Accuracy is that I'm, I'm being careful to make sure that I'm not making assumptions, but that I'm really using more of a scientist's approach. Precision is that I'm going deep enough to really understand what's going on. Precision is that I'm not just jumping to a conclusion. And this has actually become, we tend to think somebody with great judgment is somebody who jumps to a conclusion. It's it's not, it's really saying that it's somebody who's got good subconscious thinking going on and they don't need the conscious, but critical thinking skills, they're saying, oh no, you take the time for precision and consistency. And then they say, now you have to apply it to context. You have to understand what's happening in context. I'm going to be, I, I've already been a little bit political today. I'm going to be a little bit more political and not everybody's going to like it. And that's okay because I respect everybody's opinion. But Dale, one of the things that I really that really bothers me is when we look at a figure back in history and we make judgments about them, either good or bad, without understanding the context of the time that they lived in, without understanding the culture and the dynamics and the pressures that they lived in. Because we're it's not relevant what we're judging them for if we can't put it inside of context. So anyway, to escape that, um, the, the next thing they talk about is developing sound evidence. So what data do you have that is supporting what your critical thinking is? And how do you know that data is accurate? How do you know that it's not just taken out of context? How do you know that it's not just thin sliced by somebody who wants to guide you down a certain path? How do you know that you have enough data to really understand the full dynamics? And then from there, you lead to good reasons and it gives us depth, breadth, and fairness. These are what they call intellectual values that lead to good critical thinking. And, and my contention is that for a variety of reasons, how fast our society is going, um, how, how easily we're distracted, how much entertainment we have, for many, many different factors, these intellectual values are not as developed today as they may have been in the past. I actually think we, you know, in terms of certain scientific advances and computers and technology, obviously we're way advanced. But in terms of the average person's critical thinking skills, I fear we might have actually gone backwards. Because you look at these intellectual values and we have so many obstacles or so many temptations that keep us from developing these that we've actually become more and more shallow thinkers. So in a way, this goes back to our very first conversation about how we need to think more. We need to think deeper. We need to get away from that short attention span and be willing to really reflect at a deeper level. Admirable, absolutely, qualities. And I'm sure everybody wants to aspire to, to those traits and the, the values. So let's talk about growing them. What does that look like? Yeah, so this is, a, this is kind of a roundabout way to get there because when we wrote The Complete Leader, we said there are essentially three clusters of skills that leaders need to develop to be successful, to, to really um, discover and pursue their greatest potential. We said that there are skills that are uh, achieving skills. So these are often skills we develop earlier in our career. It's, it's how do I follow through on my commitments? How do I set and achieve goals? Um, how, how do I manage my time and my priorities? 
How do I manage myself? So we call these achieving skills. And then there's another set of skills that happens later in our career that we call relating skills. These are how do I interact with people? How do I make good decisions around people? How do I deal with conflict? Or how do I persuade? Or how do I negotiate? Or how do I work in teams? How do I develop others? These are all relating skills. And then it's not that we haven't started developing these earlier, but the third cluster of skills that we identify in the book are what we refer to as thinking skills, because great leaders are clear thinkers. And so we have seven of these skills that really are all the skills that help us become great critical thinkers. We start with, um, for instance, futuristic thinking. Futuristic thinking is to, to be able to perceive and contemplate and reflect on the future, to know what is knowable and to know what's not knowable, and also to have some idea about what's possible. And in, in a lot of the research that I've looked at, this is one of the least developed skills in leaders because we're so much living in today, or even a lot of senior leaders are living in this quarter. What results am I getting this quarter? And I don't diminish the importance of the results this quarter, but not at the expense of longer term thinking. For myself, I've discovered that futuristic thinking is something I've spent years and years and years building my skills around. And now because I'm late in my career and I've got lots of decades behind me, I am so grateful and I'm so appreciative and I'm, I so relish how I've been able to think about the future differently now than when I was earlier in my career. The, the next one is conceptual thinking skills. So the conceptual thinking skills are about the ability to see frameworks or concepts or models that can be useful. And of course, this is really an important part of, of when we do critical thinking is we're talking about what if and what would happen if we did this or if we did this. And the, the development, this is a, again, a very an amazing connection to neuroscience, but the development of models that we store in our brain becomes a tremendous toolbox that we use for conceptual thinking going forward. Third, creativity, the ability to identify new possibilities, new combinations, new creations. You can see how all this fits into critical thinking. And we could go on, continuous learning, obviously. You know, the, the whole idea behind continuous learning is how do you keep your mind in gear or in drive and, and keep it from falling into neutral? And, and I can tell you that for me, the thing that has saved my bacon, so to speak, has been adversity. It's, it's been adversity and it's been unfulfilled vision because that's what keeps me in drive. If I didn't have any problems to solve, if I didn't have any vision of the future that I want to reach for, my mind would naturally fall into neutral and I would begin to lose my critical thinking skills. Next, um, planning and organizing, which is creating your pathway to a better future. Now you're getting more into the precision and getting into the detail of it. And then from there, decision making, knowing what to, to decide, when to decide it, who's the best decision maker, how should we go about making the decision and problem solving which is from the simple to the complex and how we have to approach problems differently based on whether they're simple or complex to the kinds of problems that are more theoretical or more practical or more relational in nature. So these seven skills that we wrote about in The Complete Leader and that we talk a lot about on thecompleteleader.org are really our roundabout way of teaching people how to be good critical thinkers.
I think about these past six episodes, the idea of leaders as thinkers and everything that you have um, put together there as this, this gift. And I have this box in front of me and critical thinking seems to be the bow on top of the gift. Just, it kind of ties everything together. I think it is. I think it's, it's actually, um, we've never talked about it that much in our discussions up to this point, but I think this is what they've all been about. And when somebody say we need better critical thinking skills, we're just taking a deeper dive into defining what good critical thinking skills are. And um, by going back through these episodes, uh, through this lens of critical thinking, I think you begin to see how it all ties together. And wow, seven episodes just on thinking, you know, you might think, wow, Ron, you are kind of going off the deep end here. But the decisions that we make, especially as senior leaders, are so profound And we have such a tendency to make them instinctively and not to pause and to think about what can I draw from of my past experience? What can I observe? Um, How can I reflect? How can I reason? Who else can help me in the way that I'm thinking? We so often trust our first thoughts immediately and don't pause to be critical in thinking about what we're going to do, what decisions we're going to make. So I I will add a note of caution to this, Dale, and that is that we have a lifetime to develop these skills. And if you try to develop them all like at once, you probably go a mile wide and an inch deep. Instead, we need to say, what part of this could I work on? So I've spent the last couple years, because of things that you and I have worked on together, I spent the last couple years really rethinking creativity and how I collect my ideas and how I manage my ideas and what am I going to do? That's been a really big, important focus to me. Well, I could spend a couple years thinking about decision-making. By the way, there's a wonderful book on decision-making by Dan and Chip Heath called Decisive. They're some of my favorite authors. I could spend a couple years just focused on futuristic... I've actually spent decades working on futuristic thinking. My caution is be careful not to try to do it all at once. Pick some part of thinking and critical thinking that is interesting to you and see how far you can go with that. And it will tend to pull the other skills along with it. But in the in the process, you'll develop that particular thinking skill in a way that's sustainable and lasting over time. This is so much to digest and to think about. Uh, it's such a worthwhile discussion for us. Thank you so much for bringing it to us. Are you going to surprise us with yet another approach to thinking, or do you have something something new in the pipeline? I think that if you know me, usually when I get to seven, I run out of energy. <laughs> this is our seventh episode. So actually, I want to I get very, very practical in our next episode, and I want to talk about something that I've been hearing a lot about lately, and that is, how do I get more done with less effort? Everybody seems to have a, to, a to-do list. We've talked about overcommitment. I want to talk about how do you think about managing your schedule and your task lists and all of those things to get more done with less effort. So that's what our goal is going to be. I don't know if I can succeed in it, but we'll give it a try. Fantastic. That's something to look forward to as well. Um, We love the practical tactical. So we'll remind folks, all of these conversations are available to you wherever you listen to podcasts and it's available at thecompleteleader.org. It's the website where you will find hundreds, if not thousands of resources that are all connected to 
the leadership principles that are outlined in this book. So it's a great companion to the book. If you grab the book, definitely encourage you to do that. But if you don't have the book right now, go ahead and dive into any topic that looks of interest to you when you go to thecompleteleader.org. You can also learn more about Ron, what his team uh, does and can do for your business at uh, his website, price-associates.com is where to find him. If you'd like to email Ron, uh, his email address, ron at price-associates.com. While you're there at the computer keyboard, if you would do us a huge favor or on your phone, if you're listening on your phone, would you just give us a like? And if you have the ability to review, um, rate and review this podcast and your podcast playing app, please do so. We'd appreciate that. It makes it easier for other people to find this content on leadership as they are searching. Anything else you'd like to add, Ron? I don't think so. Thanks, Dale. It's been great to be with you. As always, this is the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org. 